This is episode 162 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're continuing Winter Youth 2008 Epiphany Kingdom with Chris C. This is session four. Wow, what a great morning so far. And you guys did remarkable on these, by the way. If you can't, we got to send digital images of the, the, these photos to everybody. Whoever, who did the everyone is welcome here? Who did that one? Beautiful, remarkable, buddy. Good job. It stands out, and they all do. They're uh, they're really good. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate everybody involved and all the things that are going on. I got one quick question. I want I want uh, three people that have had the worst. If you think you have ever worked in the worst job on the planet, like really bad job, would you come up and tell us about it? Come on, three people, just come on up. Tell us your. Um, I'm going to use this wireless. I think it's it should be. Uh, Hot. Right, here, tell us real quick. What was it? I worked for my uncle and his daughter. It, can, can you pull up this wireless for us? Chick, chick. Hello? Okay, tell me and I'll tell them. It's on the bottom. There we go. Here it is. I worked on my uncle's farm and his daughter's husband was the person in charge and he just got mad about everything and then I was driving tractor and he got mad so he just pushed me off of it. <laughs> Did you sue him? Did you sue your uncle? I'm going to connect you with a lawyer. We'll talk later. <laughs> Worst job? I work up at Camp Padmore. Um, <laughs> and that's the worst job ever because they're like sponsors of the event. You know that, right? Because they, they might, they will not going to like hearing that much at all. Tell us what you do. Um, there's a drain in the back kitchen and that this last summer overflows about. That job stinks. You. You're up there in the in the running. Tell us, worst job? Shoveling horse crap all day, and then finishing, and having to clean up campers' puke. That's a bad day. I had to work in 100 degree heat for 10 hours a day, five days a week. Not fun. How much do you get paid? Minimum wage. That's almost slavery. We, we I'll connect you with the lawyer too. I had to, for three summers, shovel over, I don't know, 50 acres of cow manure, fresh, right off. Right off. If you're going to do it, though, do it fresh. That's what I always say. <laughs> Aside for working for a fertilizer company called Weedman, um, I was a seed bagger. I worked 12 hours a day, four days on, two days off, and um, every single day you would have to go up and uh, dust the scaffolding, and I kid you not, you would have this much dust, and you had to the poop, the poop and the puke sounds worse, though. So, oh, yeah. um, but you're in there. Chicken coop. Not fun. Not That's fun. not fun. Um, when I was really young and I lived in Florida, I used to animal sit a lot. And I think the worst thing that I've ever had to do, like working with job-wise, was explain to the neighbor when they came back that the dog that I was watching ate half of their cat. That is so disgusting. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask any more questions about that. I don't even like cats, and I'm offended. I, I, I hate cats. I'm allergic to them, but I'm still offended. Wow. Well, I, um, I don't want to get Was this. Was the cat still alive after all this, though? I do need to know. But the cat was still living, or no? No, okay. Okay, good. I just needed to clear that up. Go ahead, buddy. Okay, I don't want to get the smackdown on anyone who already came up here, but uh, recently I worked at Barely Used Mattresses, and it was Ouch. pretty bad because part of the job was to... 
part of the job was to go to houses and pick up their mattresses that they don't want anymore. And the majority of them, like, we would sort through, after picking up this truckload of mattresses, this freight truckload, we would sort through all the stains and stuff like that. Like, what would be... I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> uh, let's just say it's disgusting. And we are with you, half-eaten... Oh, man, I didn't think this would get that bad. Okay, now how do I transition to the Bible? Um, the, um, what, I, I want us to grapple. Do we have one girl that ever had a bad job? They're all guys that brag about. We need one woman that'll tell us about a really bad job that you did. Tell us. So I volunteer at a uh, wildlife rehabilitation center, and um, we have to clean up all the animals poop and stuff. And the geese are really disgusting because they, um, they poop in their water and stuff. And so it gets all over their cages and it smells horrible. Oh, geese. I'm always telling the geese to cut that out. All right, when I was a poor college student, um, the, our college would give us jobs. And the only one available was um, cleaning the men's locker room after the basketball team. <laughs> when, yeah. Um, Enough said, it was wrong. Maybe we could give her a painting for that, because... Yeah, we'd love it. <laughs> that'd be really... That, okay. I worked a summer as a housekeeper, and there were a lot of construction workers that would stay there, and every 24 hours, there was the nastiest, like, toilet and bathtub I've ever seen in my life. Um, and one day, there was a guy who went in, and he had, like, filled up the hot tub thing, and there's like grease on top and oh, like hair and you had to reach in to drain that's, the tub. That's why they tell you to bathe before you get in the hot tub. So it's an important, okay, three more. Important. Okay, three more. Tell us real quick. Okay, so um, I work at Canyon View, and um, one of the jobs there is a Tim, and it's completely volunteer. And we have these like guest groups come in that like don't clean up after themselves. So one day I'm like cleaning the bathrooms, and like it wasn't even my job at the time because I was like a lifeguard. I was just helping out. So I'm not getting paid for this, by the way. So it's your service, your oh, love, like Jesus, man. Yeah. Maybe. That's the only reason I did it. So there's this group of Russians. I love Russians. They were just so messy. I was sick. Okay. So I like go into the first boy's bathroom and like the toilet is just like okay, tons that's of toilet there, paper. There we, oh no, it gets so it much gets better. Worse. Okay. It gets so much better. Okay. So then I'm, I'm just I'm like, okay, sick that, that's sick. Okay. And I was just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking that out. So I made my brother do it. And okay. Is your brother here? No, okay, but good. my dad and sister are. Okay. Good. But anyway, so. Um, then I go to the gym bathroom and there's like one that's like everybody and one that's like a unisex one. And so I go to the one that's like everybody and we open the door and it is just explosive. Okay, that's all we And it's we everywhere. Do. Oh no, it gets oh, wait, even better. Wait, you gotta, right toilets. after I can't this, do toilets. Right after unreal. this, we go to the unisex bathroom okay. and it is just piled and up. Okay. And it's piled everywhere. And it's so Does gross. Does anybody have any so or somebody had the great idea of putting more water into the toilet because it wouldn't flush. That's a bad idea. So they flushed it and it's just everywhere. We're like mopping it up. Like, Can somebody <laughs> tell me what she's done? I'm sick. I'm going to honestly say I cannot top that, but okay. I've had two bad jobs. One, I was a nanny uh -huh. when I was like in seventh grade, and that was pretty bad. But okay. I used to work at Wildlife Safari, which is like a, a yeah, it's a safari. Yeah. And I used to have to every day. Like, are there toilets involved in this story? Because no, if there no, are, no, you no. could. Okay. I, uh, 
basically we didn't get paid for anything we did. It was just an internship. And we had to like clean everything out of like every little stall of like geese and donkeys mm. and anything that like could do that kind of stuff. We'd have to clean it up. It was pretty nasty. Wow. And you got paid a no, lot of money. Nothing. nothing. Wow. Okay, last one. Tell us. Um, worst job of my life is I had to clean up my friend's puke on a trip where I wasn't even working with paper towels that didn't even work. <laughs> I was given spray and paper towels by a person that worked there and he forced me to pick it up. I have a rule, if you are over 12, you clean up your own puke. I don't care how sick you are, if you're in the hospital, I guess at the hospital, if you're, just please. Um, wow, and okay, now at the Bible, I'm really confused. I had a really, part of what I'd love for you to answer today, just one question, can't be that big a deal, right? But what, what are you here for? I, I, a lot of times our jobs, we think our vocations are really it, um, but it's, it's more than our vocation. My worst job ever, I took this job, I call it with a crazy contractor, I was really desperate for money. So my first day on the job, he had um, he had a nail gun that they have the safety valve on a nail gun, so you have to put it, but his was broken and he didn't care. And he was on the ladder and he shot me in the foot with a nail gun on my first day of work. So, but I hoped that it would get better, right? It went right into my shoe and into my foot and I was bleeding. And he said, put a Band-Aid on it, boy. And um, so I did. And the next day he had me on a roof with a chainsaw, right? But the roof was too steep. So when you would go through the tree, then your momentum was going forward, and I fell off a two-story roof with a chainsaw in my hand. So, and I'm thinking, this is not worth $5 an hour. So the, the last day um, that I was there, my third, I only made it three days, but he, had, uh, he bought his extension cords. They were really old, so they had frayed wires on it. It started raining, and he told me to pick them up and wrap them up. So I did, and I was electrocuted. Um, in the yard. Literally, there was smoke coming from my teeth, and that's when I decided I would go home. So um, I did, and thank the Lord, I, I'm, I don't work for a crazy contractor anymore, and I, I like what I do. Uh, but what we do is bigger than our vocation. And what, what I'd like for you to wrestle with, and we're just going to be in a brief passage of Scripture in Romans, is what are we made for? What are we made to do? Uh, uh, for the last uh, few summers, before this last summer, I um, went uh, to serve God in a foreign land. I, I love uh, Jesus a lot, so I went to the Bahamas for two summers with my family um, because I love Jesus more than you. And so I was there, and while I was there, I decided we'd, we'd go out and we'd ask some friends this simple question. Is, what, why are we here? Why do we exist? So I wanted you to see it and contemplate maybe what your answers um, might be to this um, eternal question. What are we doing here? Hey, can I ask you a question real quick? No. Can you answer me? No. Hey, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. What do you think we're, uh, we're doing here on the planet? Any ideas? Kind of wasting our time, aren't we, anymore, it seems like. Why are we here on the planet? You got any ideas? To make mad love and love each other. That's it. That's it. What, what are we doing here? Why do we exist? To know God. How do you think we know God? By attending church and stuff. Attending church on a regular basis. Why do you think we're here on this planet? Do you have any ideas? 
Nope. The purpose? I don't understand it. No time. Yeah, we have for a reason, for some reason. You got any idea what the reason is? No, I don't. I, 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 I don't think I could tell you what it is, but I would think the purpose is why we're here. <laughs> you doing anything to figure it no, out? No, I'm not trying to figure it out. You got any idea why we're here on the planet? We are, we are to do right, man, you know? Find love and peace, man, you know? You understand what I'm saying? Love each one another steady, you know? Yeah. So, so you, it, we were supposed to love each other, but you got a gun on your your neck. What you worrying about? I don't know. What? Why do you think we're here? You thought about it? Yeah, we're here for a reason. Which one is it? That's what we're trying to figure out. That's that's God's reason. Did He tell you? He tell everybody, come here. Well, tell me real quick what He said. <laughs> he said, love one another, brother. That's it. That sounds pretty good to me, man. That you sounds pretty good like to that. me. I think our purpose lies in the whole, you know, the manual that God gave us called the Bible, our purpose in life is in there, right? And purpose in life has to do with something that you're naturally good at and you love. Most people working on jobs today, it's something as a job, it's an occupation for them to attain money, but they're not happy doing what they do. That's like me, people say, well, why are you out here playing? I say, I can play music until I die because this is what I love. And my purpose in life is to play this horn and make people happy. Well, you made me happy today, man. Man and woman was, was created to rule and to dominate earth, which means to subdue it and to take care of it. And uh, we, we are just creations of God. So I believe our, our, our duty on earth is to take care of earth and to enjoy ourselves. I believe that's a part of it too, just to enjoy ourselves. Why we're on this planet is probably because so that we can worship God and let the world know about what it is done for all of us and to fulfill the purpose he has given us in life. It's a big rat race, man. Yeah. Every day is a survival. Just trying to get by. That's it, buddy. That's all I just did. You think there's anything more we're missing out on or is that all there is? Only we need some more love, buddy. Yeah. We just need some love in the world and that's it. In the end, like two facts say all of us can die, man. Yeah. We are. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen then? After you die? Yeah. Man, it's life after death, buddy. That's what I believe in. Okay, good. I believe in life after death, man. I'm going to live again. Absolutely. Yeah, because I believe in Jesus Christ, true and living God. Absolutely. Yeah, that's All right. me. Straight up. Let's look forward to that. Straight up. You got any ideas why we're here at all? No. No? You like it here, though? Sorrow. What do you like about us? Just the feeling of being alive. You got any any ideas? Uh, the reason why we exist is because um, <laughs> Whew, that's a real trick question. But the really reason I think <laughs> the really reason I think we exist is because you know God has a plan for all of us and you know we need us to be there to fulfill the plans. That's about it right now. You, you got any idea what those plans are for you? Um, I really don't know. You don't know what the future holds, but you know, one day I might get saved. You never know. You never know. The purpose? I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, for a reason, for some reason. I, I, could, I, I don't think I could tell you what it is, but I would think it's the purpose why you're here. <laughs> you doing anything to figure it no, out? I'm not no, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm not trying to figure it out.
What do you think you'd say if I was asking you on the street? Just caught you unaware. What do you think we're doing here? It's again, this isn't our jobs, this isn't our vocation. Why, why do we exist? What are we here on the planet for? Right? And this is if we read the scripture, scriptures well, these are the questions that we answer. That from the beginning in the garden, we are created in perfect communion with God. Everything is perfect and right. right? We just sit around and we eat fruit all day. This is a good life, right? So I, uh, I like hotels, not as much because I like hotels, because they usually have these big fruit buffets. How many of you have been to one that has just like, if you don't believe in God, I just go eat a mango, because it's unbelievable. It tastes so good, right? And we were made for that. We were made to sit around, and my favorite African folk art is this one with Adam. He's kicked back in the stream. Of course, they're both buck naked. I'm from Texas. You may say naked, but in Texas we say naked. And... Um, He's kicked back in the stream, and the water's flowing over him, and Eve is standing there with a guitar, playing music for him and feeding him fruit, right? And I look at that piece, and I go, that's what I was made for. Like, (laughs) this is so wrong that here we are, and it's hot in Houston, and it doesn't make sense that the world has shifted in so many ways, right? And in that perfection, sin enters in, and as a result of sin within a very short period of time. You go from a woman that lived in perfection and perfect union with God and with her husband to a place where her two sons, what happened? One, can you imagine losing a son to murder just in general? It would be, I have friends that have lost, in fact, one of my dear friends this last year, she lost her son to a murder. And it was, in fact, my brother Robbie's written some really beautiful songs out of the devastation and pain that we felt after his murder. Can you imagine if that son was murdered by your other son? So not only have you lost one son, but your other son has now become a murderer. The result of sin wasn't like, oh, well, I guess that's not good. No, it was unbelievably devastating. So a mother and a father couldn't even figure out what it meant to love this other son in the midst of so much brokenness. And The scriptures meet us in that place of brokenness. Here we are, broken and in despair. Life is not right. Life is not perfect. And yet, in that place is where we find what we are made for. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 7. It's one of my favorite, uh, favorite in a helpful kind of way, passages. Because part of the beauty of the scriptures is that um, when you read them, and you read them well, you see that the only perfect person in the scripture is Jesus. There's a few other good guys. You got Daniel and Joseph. They were, they were pretty good guys for in general, although Joseph was kind of a jerk to his brothers and sisters for a while, kind of a show-off. Nobody really likes a show-off. But, um, but the rest of the people were just totally messed up. All of them. Paul's a murderer. You got adulterers and thieves and just not really great people. And the beauty of the scriptures is that God meets them and loves them in that place. Abraham begins his journey of faith, this long and beautiful journey, and he offers his wife to another man. Right? I don't know what you call that in the Pacific Northwest, but we call that pimping in Houston, Texas. Right? He he offered his wife to another man and then did it again. You go, that's... That's not right, right? But the beauty of the story wasn't that Abraham was deified. Abraham was a man. He was broken like we are. The beauty of the story was that God continued to meet Abraham and love him and forgive him. And if God loved Abraham, 
and Sarah, our God, can love us. And Paul, the apostle, wrote the majority in the New Testament. He founded the churches that became the movement of Christianity. And yet, as he describes here, his own struggle with sin, you, you would think he was Cain or Abel or Abraham. He'd been a murderer, participated in murders of Christians. And he acknowledges here, he says in verse 15, listen, he says, I can't explain my actions. How many of you could be honest enough to be able to say that to brothers or sisters, to your, you could just say, I, I've done some things, I don't, I can't even explain to you why I did it. Sometimes they're impulse, they're small things, sometimes they're big things, right? I, um, I know how, how I need to eat well. My wife and kids, they eat really well, but when I go away, like last night, I looked at the menu, I was, and I said in my mind, I'm going to get salad, and instead I got the biggest plate of nachos on the planet, right? It just like, when the waitress came, it came out of nachos, and I, I didn't, I wanted a salad, but nachos came out of my mouth, right? Like, that's not what I meant to say. We just impulsively, when I had friends come join me, they wouldn't even eat one nacho, just, they were trying to accentuate that I was a glutton, so... If you sit down with a brother with a huge, massive plate of nachos, eat a nacho to make him feel better, okay? Just saying, that's what Jesus would do. (laughs) So Paul says, listen, I can't explain my actions. There's things I do I couldn't even explain to you. Here's why I'm not able to do the things I want. And at the same time, I do the things that I despise. If I'm doing the things I've already decided not to do, I'm agreeing with the law regarding what is good. But now I'm no longer the one acting. I've lost control. Sin has taken up resonance in me, and it's wreaking havoc. I know that in me, that is in my fallen human nature, there is nothing good. So understand this. You were created in the image of God made in God's image, but in your fallenness, it has devoured what is beautiful there in a way that only God can restore. He says, I know that in me, in my fallen human nature, there's nothing good. I can will myself to do something good, right? That's what you're going to be tempted to do now. It's about January 1. So we just go, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm going to sit with the dorks at the other table. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to. And you will yourself to do it. You won't do it. Trust me. What you will to do, every year, I'm going to get in the most unbelievable shape that no one would even recognize me. It's never happened. But at New Year's, every year, boy, it's New If you want to not do something, make a New Year's resolution to do it. And then I guarantee you won't do it. Just doesn't happen, right? Our wills are not strong enough. Paul says, I can determine that I'm going to do good, but I don't do it. Instead, I end up living out the evil that I decided not to do. How many of you have been there? So the thing I decided I would never do, I did. If I end up doing the exact thing I pledged not to do, I'm no longer doing it because sin has taken up residence in me. And here's what I've discovered about the law. Regardless of my desire to do the right thing. It's clear that evil is never far away. You see, Paul was a part of a system 
Most of it in the Old Testament, but it was accentuated and the focus on it became too clearly on these rules. It was about what you did and what you didn't do. Right? If, if you try to live Christianity as a set of rules, you will be the most miserable failure as a Christian that is humanly possible. It will not work. Because Paul's reminding us in Romans, what, what do rules do? What happens when your mom says, listen, I have made something unbelievably delicious. It's in the kitchen. No one touch it, right? All you want to do is eat what she said you can't eat. It doesn't matter if it's really even that good. Just being told that you can't eat it makes you so hungry. I'm going to tell you right now, nobody eat nachos today. You are not allowed to eat nachos. All of you are going to be eating nachos by lunchtime. Right? It just, you're not big nachos fans? Come on, give it up for the nachos. Right? What, whatever it is that is forbidden, this forbidden fruit becomes more alluring. Paul says, this is a tough thing. So here's what I've discovered about the law. Regardless of my desire to do the right thing, it's clear that evil's never far away. How many of you have felt that? He says, in my mind, I'm, I'm in happy agreement with God's law, but the rest of my body doesn't concur. He says, we could be here, we could be in church, or we could be in youth group. I could say, you know what, this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong. And then I get in another place, and all of a sudden my body says, I know my mind says it's not right, but my body leads me to another place. But the rest of my body doesn't concur. My bodily members are at war with my mind, which agrees with the law. And I've become a prisoner in this war to the rule of sin that reigns supreme in my body. I'm absolutely miserable. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Is there anyone who can cut me free from this corpse that's tied to my back? It's slowly killing me. I'm so thankful to God for the blessings of our Lord Jesus, the liberating King. On one hand, I devotedly serve God's law in my mind, but on the other hand, in my flesh, I serve the principle of sin. This is what I'm here to ask you, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Who's your real master? It's really easy to live a life where sin takes up residence in us and owns us. Paul was so descriptive about it. Paul was writing to Romans, right? And if you know much about Romans, you know that they were good at a couple of things. Um, debauchery and killing people. That's what they were experts. That's why crucifixion was it's one of their inventions of a grotesque way to kill people, right? Grotesque, that's a new word I just made up. It's when it's really grotesque, you call it grotesque. Paul, as he talks about his own struggle with sin, he uses a metaphor that Romans would know. You see, um, I'm, I'm not in favor of, um, of capital punishment, but this is what the Romans would do, and they would not only do it, but do it in very hard and descriptive ways. And so what they would do is if, um, if one of you, say if I killed one of you, which I have no intentions to do, by the way. I really like you. You're pretty smart and generally pretty kind people. But say I go crazy and I kill one of you. It, what they would do is they would take your dead body and they would tie it. You'd, you'd be tied to my back. And then as, as your body decayed, the disease in you would eventually kill me. But it would be a long, slow death. Right? And others were forbidden to come and to cut this corpse loose from me. Right? This is a really disgusting image, right? That's how Paul describes his struggle with sin. So if you struggle with sin, should you be surprised? No. 
No, you're fallen. You're not perfect. You will never be. But what we're going to talk about tonight is what does it look like to lean into a life of redemption and the understanding uh, that sin is, all, is a struggle. Paul says it's always there. But that ultimately victory is possible, it's attainable, but it doesn't come through the will, it comes through the work of Jesus Christ, the liberating King. Would you pray with me? And we're going to ask that God would bless our discussions and our lunch and then our gathering and feasting tonight. Lord, we pray that, um, Lord, you help us this morning to identify with Paul, to find comfort in our own struggle with sin as we hear that though you were perfect, no one else was. No one in this room is. We are broken and sinful and we are in desperate need of a savior. We don't need religion and we do not need rules. They will not save us, they will not help us. But we desperately need a living savior, a loving savior who forgives. Will you help us better understand what it means to find purpose in our life in a relationship with a savior that's redeeming the earth and changing the world and changing lives. We pray that this would go beyond our head, as Paul said, and into our very cells, would call us out to live a new path. We pray all of this in your name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.